Hello and welcome to this Expert Insights CD. I'm Donna Hansen. Our Expert Insights CD series is designed to give professionals access to the latest trends, ideas, philosophies and approaches that impact on productivity, performance and achievement, both in business and personally. We know that these days it's often hard to find time to step outside your world and explore what's happening in other organisations. Our Expert Insights CDs are designed to provide you with concise information on topics relevant to you on a regular basis in a format that maximises your time and keeps you up to date with current trends. In this Experts Insights CD, we speak with behavioural neuroscientist Dr Lucia Keller about busy brain syndrome and how it's affecting you and your organisation's productivity. But before I speak with Lucia, let's have a little bit of uh, background about her. Dr Lucia Kalia is has decades of experience in as a business improvement consultant, organizational psychologist, and behavioral neuroscientist. That's a mouthful of words. She specializes in behavioral change, how to adopt and prevent change relapse. Following her PhD, Lucia discovered busy brain syndrome, which describes uh, the result of brain changes due to technology, which has created too much information and stuff for the human brain brain to process. Today we're going to be speaking with Lucia about the busy brain syndrome and its effect on productivity. Welcome Lucia. Hello Donna, thank you very much for having me here today. Oh, it's, it's lovely to have a conversation with somebody who uh, has a lot of that um, scientific knowledge around an area I'm quite passionate about and that's sort of the overload of the stuff these days. Be before we get started Lucia, tell me a bit more about how you came to be interested in the impact of technology on productivity. Well it actually came about quite um um, serendipitously actually and it's it's interesting because a lot of um, findings particularly in in um, uh, brain sciences and other other body sciences come about when you're looking for something else and you find something by accident mm. and and pretty much that's how I found um, the just discovered the the busy brain syndrome um, following my PhD uh, decade and a half plus ago but um, I realized that the, the rate of change in our world due to technology um, was simply way too fast for the human's brain to keep up. And it, it goes back to evolution. Um, the, the, the fact that we are essentially an animal, a species on the planet like every other species on the planet. And um, we react to changes in our environment. And so we have reacted to this change that uh, has occurred due to technology and uh, the digital age, and it hasn't been pretty from mm -hmm. the brain's perspective. Yeah, look, you raise an interesting point there about reactivity, and I want to explore that a little further on, you know, how we can switch that, because our automatic response, and I guess that comes from the old flight or fight uh, scenario when you mention evolutionary. Yes, yes, absolutely. And as I said, um, we we seem to forget and the more the busier we get and the more overloaded we get, we forget that we're actually an animal. We are here on the planet uh, as any other species and the first thing that our brain is responsible for is keeping us safe. 
So all of this reacting and this awfulness that we're experiencing is simply the brain's response to an environment which, quite frankly, is alien, mm. um, i.e. there's just too much. So the brain's actually gone into meltdown because it essentially can't deal with it. You know, that that's a really good point and I think we often overlook stuff like that in the busyness of the day. Uh, you know, it's, it's out of the ordinary and it's very much, it, it almost becomes like the information overload. We want to balance the, the challenge of doing our jobs effectively with the expectations all around us and they're the sorts of things that, you know, they're not life or death situations when you go back to the evolutionary elements but they really have created, I guess, this internal tension and um, argument internally as to how we manage that. Um, yes, and you've nailed it absolutely um, there, Donna. Really, there's there's two things that are going on. There's this response from the, the brain in, in just it's trying to deal with this deluge of stuff. So it's basically um, trying to keep us safe. The part of the brain that, that keeps us safe is, is what's called the survival brain or the reptile brain or the croc brain, the animal brain. It has no intelligence in terms, terms of a conscious intelligence. So it doesn't know what's going on. It thinks that all this stuff is lions. So that's why it goes into this uh, furor of, of um, trying to keep us safe. The other thing that's going on is that we are programmed at work to respond to requests and demands. That's just what we do. And back in the day prior to the digital revolution, when we had telephone or memos, letters, the fax machine, the number of requests in any one day were manageable. Fast forward now to the electronic age where the number of requests we get every hour are extraordinary. Our programming is still to respond. So we go into that frenzy when we realise we should be saying we cannot respond. But that's a habit. That's an innate response that uh, that we just do unconsciously so there's two things that are um, contributing to to the the current overload but that's interesting because my first response to that is how do we fix it but I I know that I'm just being impatient Lucia and we, yeah. well I'm like everybody else at the moment we want it now so uh, yes. just following on from that does that mean we're making you know the the actual um, advent of technology uh, and the uh, exacerbation of the demands and requests that you know were a little more manageable back in the day where we didn't have 24 or seven connectivity does that mean you know we're, we're making things more complicated and we should be going back to basics um no we shouldn't actually we, well we can't go back to basics really we we you know the, the world goes forward we just need to learn to adapt so mm. it's a matter of us just getting with the program in terms of adaptation to be able to be effective in this this environment that we find ourselves in and I, so, guess, I guess that's a real challenge in business, isn't it? Because, um, you know, the changes are happening so fast. Organisations implement new technology. Uh, they implement new processes. They're trying to follow uh, organisational strategy that's coming from the head office, etc. You know, it's, it's a matter of recognising and, and how do they put adaptability into a framework that's that's manageable and, and achievable rather than just adding to the uh, already um, high demands on people. 
Good question, Donna. And the, the fact is that we try and solve all of our problems these days by changing things and um, using structures and processes. Mm. The, 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 the demands of the modern world are way beyond that. We actually have to change the human. So it wouldn't matter what we put in place. You see restructures that fail continually. You see change programs that fail continually. And so, you know, businesses, their knee-jerk reaction is to cut and cut people, whereas what they really need to be doing is looking at, well, how do we actually align um, the, 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 the people's capability, our people's capability to the demands of the world that is not going away, it's not going to go back and it's only going to increase. So rather than this um, this sort of whole idea that we can, um, you know, go back. It's it's just not possible. But you know, we will adapt in in twenty thirty years time. The human will adapt. But you know, we don't have time to to sit around and wait for evolution to to change our brain. Um, we need to get in and do it ourselves. And and we can when we know how. I guess it's a little bit like, um, you know, most of us are across things like, you know, the latest diet, uh, you know, the, the weight loss pills, etc. Everybody's looking for a quick fix, aren't they? And they're looking for the one thing that solves their, their problem, their complexity overload, their workflow, their um, expenses, etc. And reality is there is no one thing. It's all uh, how we react and how we respond to the environments we're placed in as a result of this technology overload. It, would that be an accurate assessment? Absolutely, Donna. Um, again, you've actually described perfectly what's going on because what essentially the brains, as I said, the first job of the brain is to keep us safe. So it's the brain responds to anything that sends a, a message saying out of control. So all of this stuff that's coming with us is sending constant message into the brain saying out of control, out of control. So the brain is in a frenzy trying to get control back. That's why we feel so awful. That's why we jump from one thing to the other, where we're so we're on this insatiable almost search for for uh, something that's going to fix it just to make it go away because we don't like it, and we don't like it because our, our brain's been designed to say do something about this because you're not safe. So that's why we do this. Do you and think, sorry, do you think it feels like um, it's happening so quickly but reality is it's been happening slowly but it just seems like an onslaught? Um, well, it has in terms of the evolution of the brain and the, the like the, the, the human species, it's been incredibly fast because, you know, evolution takes a long time. It takes, you know, decades and decades, centuries to uh, to adapt, so this change has occurred pretty much in fifteen years, and since the advent of smartphones in two thousand and seven, it's it's just increased exponentially. So it's almost on steroids now. So really, in terms of the evolution of of how we can adapt effectively to our environment and be successful, no, it's been unbelievably fast. Which is why we feel like you know we're just lost. We're in this this awful state where we just feel out of control. Mm. 
mm. and I know we're, we're going to lead into you know what are the consequences of all of this but to move along what are the signs you know either individually I, I guess individually you can usually tell whether you're feeling the signs of overload or busy brain syndrome but as an organization what are some of the signs or the characteristics that an organization and that our listeners may be part of or may manage some element of may be suffering from this busy brain syndrome it's there's pretty much two elements to it most people are in a state of incessant overthinking so that in that incessant self-talk so most people have got self-talk going on in their heads all the time and it's not very positive it's it's not just me then (laughs) no no it's everybody um and that's that's and the thing is as that as time goes on that gets worse your self-doubt um, you, everyone's, and the other thing is, everyone tries to make out that they're calm. So I, I sort of use the analogy of we're like a, a, a pile of ducks on a on a pond, you know, floating around. Oh yes, I'm fine, but the little legs are just going like little motors underneath, and we're all like that. And we try and put across that we're in control, but we're not. And so we look over the hedge at everybody else, going, "Oh, they look okay," but everybody's doing the same thing. But so and and the the consequence of that is is has been some really awful behaviors like there's awful behaviors that go on in organizations just you know some of the stories i hear are just appalling and unfortunately it's more likely to that that there'll be awful behaviors in organizations than 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 good behaviors and the edelman trust barometer which has um just been released for 2016 indicates that the trust factor between uh, the leaders and employer employees in organisations is getting wider and wider, mm. and this country in particular is one of the worst. So, so what are some of the signs you talk about uh, bad behaviour? Is it uh, you know elements like bullying within the workplace, unrealistic expectations about delivery, about workload that you're supposed to deal with, and that you know you just need to toughen up? What what sort of things might uh, demonstrate to you? Because as you said, you know we're, we're all looking about and we're looking like ducks over the hedge. We can see everything looks okay, but mm. what are the, some of the underlying symptoms that we should be looking for, or characteristics that would tell us that perhaps our organisation isn't as calm and as rational and as logical as it might appear to be? Uh, well, the, the the classic standout is behavioural issues with stress claims and those sorts of things. Not all organisations have that. Um, a lot do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's a global pandemic of, of, of stress within organisations. Uh, you just have to look at the literature to see what's going on there. But it's more, it's, it's more almost like, um, how can I describe it? Um, it's it's a sense of not non like not sharing, not collaborating, and it's it's almost like a power struggle, um, which is derived from this lack of control. So, part of trying to get back um, get control back is this this whole thing of 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 trying to overpower other people. It, it sort of manifests like that, which is really really problematic for for productivity because you know we've actually got to do the opposite but being out of control doesn't lend itself to being collaborative because you know we're not in that frame mind a frame uh, mindset or frame of mind to be collaborative because we're out of control so it's a real double-edged sword and a almost like a, a, a dichotomous situation and really it's 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 only going to as I said it's it's going to continue to escalate 
Um, and the only way out of it is through self-awareness and self-responsibility because this, this is every single individual making their own decisions in their head. And I work a lot in safety with, um, with drivers in particular and distraction is something that, that simply like transport organisations and, and other organisations in safety critical, critical industries, they are just struggling so much with that. They know rules don't make people safe. And they know that every single individual is making decisions in their own head every moment and those decisions are going to either keep them safe or not. So with distraction whilst driving, most accidents, 95% of accidents, are caused through distraction. And that's the driver pretty much distracting themselves. And they know they, they cannot put any more rules around that situation because the, 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 the drivers are simply not applying the rules in the moment. Mm. So, okay, so let me just summarise some ideas that based upon that conversation we've just had around some characteristics. It might be uh, high stress levels or, or high stress leave by staff. It might be turnover perhaps that indicates uh, some of this um, um, busy brain syndrome, maybe bullying or, or a sense of aggressiveness, lack of collaboration. And, and I'm wondering if, because I know... Personally, um, I've experienced it. Most people have a sense of how an environment feels. You know, you walk into an environment and it, it provides you with um, a positive energy or a negative energy. And it is very subjective. Would, would you say that you might find an element of that in some of those organisations that are struggling? Oh, yes. And, and again, you've uh, you've hit another very important point. Um, and essentially, you've you've... You've hit upon what the, the way out of this, if you like, and um, I'll, go, I'll go into it a little um, in detail further. But um, really, what's going on is that, um, as I said, people are in a sense of of feeling out of control. So therefore, they are reacting, and they actually interpret things in the most negative way. Because that's the other thing: when you're in this state of stress, you look at life through negative lenses mm. so ambiguity with communication for example like and that's rampant with email particularly because people just shoot messages off reacting and so forth and then they have no cognizance of the recipients um, how they're going to receive that but people get it and go oh my god what did they mean by that so you know then they go into this this like oh they're trying to do this or they mean this and then they start doing the self-talk about all this stuff that it could mean and None of that is helpful. But so that's another critical thing that people need to understand is that they're viewing things negatively. If they can actually pull themselves back and look at it from a positive lens, they'll see it completely differently. Mm. But in the moment, they don't do that because they don't know how. Okay, so, uh, you know, I, I know I've, I've got a whole lot of questions. I've got an overload of questions swimming around in my mind. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, why should we, when I say me, we meaning business owners and organisations, pay so much attention to this? Quite frankly, if businesses don't begin to pay attention to this and don't give it serious attention, they will simply fade away. We're already seeing examples of businesses that are just simply fading away because of the fact that they've they've just become um, unviable, if you like. This this absolutely um, annihilates productivity and profits. 
And, you know, we, we just have to look at the daily news feeds and, and blogs and stuff to see how much impact this is having on businesses. Um, and as I said, they're not actually tackling it from the root cause and until they do tackle it from the root cause, every fix will be a Band-Aid. It might work for a little while, but it won't be sustainable. They'll find themselves back where they, 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 they were. And um, is, is that purely because it's just happening so quickly? So the minute you feel like you're getting control back and you've created some sort of framework, um, you know, the next thing comes along? It's not so much that. It's it's actually that the, the that people aren't really adapting. And as I said, with um, um, the the work I do in safety critical industries, um, once drivers. So going back to drivers, why do they get distracted? They get distracted because of busy brain syndrome, because of the the overload in their own head. It's basically conversations. And with every single investigation from an from a workplace accident or a road accident. Um, with, within organisations, the, the, the driver will say, I wasn't there. Well, where were you? I don't know. Hmm. I was off with the pixies. I was off with the fairies. I just wasn't there. They were in their own head. So once they actually understand how that occurs, and I teach them how, to, how the distraction occurs, then they can actually begin to bring themselves back to being in the moment. And I know that being in the moment is a cliche and so forth, but really... That's where we've got to be because in order to deal with a fast-paced world, we have to deal with it from the present moment. We can only, you can only really deal with where you are now, can't you? And I think in the busyness of it all, we often forget that because, you know, we're at work and we're thinking about the things that we need to do when we get home. And and you use the example of, of drivers and the safety uh, impact, and I'm sure I'm not the only one here. I'm sure all of our listeners have experienced at some point in time, as I'm positive you have too, Lucia, which mm. is where you're in the car, mm. you're driving somewhere, you get somewhere, and all of a sudden you get this reality check that says oh my god I don't even remember how I got here oh yes and that happens with every absolutely every person and it's increasing it's increasing to it by quite extraordinary levels because as I've been doing this training for, for quite a long time and every single person now has that experience regularly which is a bit scary because that just sort of su suggests that the impacts of this are, are getting more sinister. But not only that, it's not only when you're driving that you forget stuff. It's when you're at work as well. And, you know, with uh, the the people I train in, in, in safety critical, they're predominantly male people. And one of the examples I use is, oh, look, you know, do you get accused by your spouse of not listening? Oh, all the time. <laughs> well, seriously, you're not hearing. You know, when, when you get accused of not listening, when you're overloaded, you don't hear because it's not your ears that hear, it's your brain. Mm. And it's like when you're driving, it's, it's you know, it's not your, your eyes that are looking at the road, it's your brain that actually tra uh, processes that information. So, it's, you're just not seeing it or you're not hearing it. Mm. And tell me, Lucia, what will the consequences be? If we don't do anything, if if people listening today just go, uh, you know, look, I can I can barely uh, get my head up off the pillow of a morning. I'm I just feel so overloaded. What's the consequences of us just rolling along as as the way we're going, like as individuals and in organisations? Okay, well, as I'll, I'll target individuals first. The the long term impact of this is is um, 
chronic issues in terms of autoimmune diseases and all those other sinister things because what's occurring as um, a result of this stress response being locked on all the time, which is basically busy brain syndrome, is that there's um, extremely high elevated levels of cortisol and other really sinister um, hormones floating around in our system, which are toxic to the system. So basically, you know, our overall health is being um, really severely impaired. We're going to age faster, all other, all these other sorts of hideous health consequences, that's physical and mental health. And our overall happiness and satisfaction is is just, just not there. You know, we're just not satisfied, just not happy. And it's, you know, we just don't ever come home going, oh, God, I had a great day today. I really achieved a lot today. That's really rare. From an organisation perspective, they're pretty much running. I would hazard it a guess. I did some research a few years ago um, and at that point we found that two-thirds of people's time at work was spent recovering from distraction. Wow. So that's 60% of their time was being effectively ineffective, which is a real, real worry. Um, so, yeah, like I said, really from a business's perspective it should be their number one priority if you really want to stay ahead and, and be productive and do the right thing by your business and your people you've just got to nail this thing mm-hmm. so um clearly we should have a plan or a strategy you know what what would that look like you know does it need to be complex and have 500 different points to it or can it be quite simplistic and i'm, I'm guessing there's different levels it's interesting that the way to overcome busy brain syndrome is to actually, um, interesting what you were saying before, go back to come forward. We actually have to go back into the human. The thing is we only give credence, credence and, and pay attention to our intellect. You know, our thinking, the thinking human is all we really value. Um, uh, Daniel Goleman who wrote the EQ books, he, you know, he got a, the, the emotional intelligence element into businesses where it was kind of like accepted that you need to look at your emotional intelligence and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's it's still absence in, absent in, in a lot of businesses. But what, what really needs to be um, understood is, is what I call our um, innate intelligence or our sensory intelligence or our, um, our, our intelligence of self, which is basically our own awareness, our own awareness of how we're reacting, what we're doing, and um, until we get that under control, we're going to continue to to, to flounder. Mm. One of the things that, that we've started implementing with a number of clients uh, who are looking for a solution around this area is, uh, particularly with the technology, because as you know, we work in that uh, technology training space or the education yeah. space there one of the things that that we're finding um, clients are really enjoying is creating time and space for people to have conversations with each other about what's working and what's not working for them and what we're finding that does is it creates a sense of community within an organization and it enables them to share knowledge and processes because realistically, the people who get your processes internally the best are the people in your business. And we haven't provided this framework for people to be able to explore these conversations. So some of the things we've been sharing and setting up and, and 
establishing for clients so that they can self-manage is structures around how as a team they're going to use email. So working with sales teams and saying, okay, so how as a team are we going to use email? Because everybody is so busy, they're coming from different spaces. So, you know, you ask somebody how quickly should you respond to an email and they go, it depends and depends who it's from, depends what it's about, depends on where you are, depends on if you can answer it. But everybody applies their own assumptions for things and it's it's when they have an expectation that they've created for themselves and they don't achieve it that they start to create this sense of um, stress and frustration when if they can set up a framework where everybody says okay well as a team let's agree this is how we're going to operate you know we're not going to send thank you emails to each other for example all of a sudden people know what's expected of them but the problem is they've been given a lot of these tools and just asked to do stuff um, but not given the opportunity to learn and grow as a team. Uh, again, completely agree with you, Donna. And um, the 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 way forward, I guess, for organisations is is to become what's called a conscious system. Um, and there's there's a lot of literature on this, and there has been for you know the last four or five years. And it's almost like as a culture, how do we actually thrive? Not just survive, but how do we thrive in this environment? And it, it is that concept of being able to create a conscious system. So what you've described is, is a, a very good method for beginning the journey to become a conscious system. So what does conscious system mean? It's, it's, it's basically means you're conscious and aware of what it is that you're doing, but how, it, within that, you need to understand what it is you need to do. So people need to understand what's expected of them. So what you're describing with the team, absolutely, emphatically very important. So if team the teams understand the expectation they have um, guiding principles or greed rules or whatever that they operate on um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a group – then, then that's the beginnings of creating a conscious system where people start to see themselves as, as, as a group. And really, that, that the way forward for businesses is to get their teams really, really high-performing. And that's been a cliche, oh, high-performing teams. How do you really do that? Mm. Well, it's be, by becoming conscious as a team. So what you were just talking about, Donna, and those things that you're putting in, absolutely on the right track and that's absolutely the way to go and you keep need need to keep expanding on that because by default you will increase every member of that team's consciousness of what they're doing in their their team so then if you have all of the teams operating as conscious systems then they will be aware of what other teams are doing so that will break down silos because mm. it's another massive problem but Within that team, each individual must be aware. They must be able to be aware of their own behaviour. That's being now. And, and for too long, people are, uh, are operating solo within a team. Yep. So they believe they have an understanding of, of their purpose and their structure, you know, and maybe that's because they have a job description and they sit down once a year for a performance review. But we're actually seeing a number of, you know, high profile organisations, global organisations that are choosing to do away with the annualised performance appraisal and create something that's a little bit more or a lot more informal, uh, but far more... Um, 
responsive to the changing face of how we interact in business. So where it's a two-way communication feedback loop where it might be something that happens with a, um, a manager and their team members, you know, on a monthly basis or even on a fortnightly basis that's a little less formal and structured but it's designed to, you know, alter and adjust the plans and the ideas and ensure that, you know, not a lot of time passes to enable people to veer off track. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, you're, you're a lady after my own heart, Donna, because that's <laughs> essentially what we do in our business. And we, um, I, I guess that what businesses need to do is that they have to get to the point of understanding that the way in which our organisations are structured um, is, is a, a hangover from the industrial era. Mm. So, you know, back then, um, you know, it was all about pretty much, you know, people doing stuff. Whereas now we're in the digital age of the knowledge age, it's more about people's thinking, you know, it's the services and so forth that we all trade, most of us trade these days, are, are not widgets and things, they're... It's, it's more about thinking and ideas and, and intellectual sort of capital. Yes, exactly. So, um, and the, the old system, the old industrial system doesn't work. And hierarchies, the way hierarchies are, are run through command and control um, leadership and systems, and you're right with the performance management, it's, it's just archaic. It's, it's almost like, you know, why would you use a... Um, uh, you know, a um, industrialized a, approach to well, managing an organization in a in an organization that's no longer that traditional industrial approach, is it? No, that's right. Well, it's a bit like using you know the a um a, 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 what's the word I'm trying to look for with the old dial telephone. You know, it's a bit like having that on your desk today. Yes, it's that ridiculous. Yep, yep. And and it's a like it's just a no brainer. But the thing is, again. Brain overload locks people into this 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 rigid thinking, and what happens is that they go, "Oh no, can't do that, can't do that." So the other thing that's happened as a result of brain overload is our risk aversion has just gone; it's it's out of control because it's almost like we perceive these consequences that are just perceptions of all these catastrophic things that could happen if we did things differently. Mm, mm. Um, and so, you know, that just locks people further into this this old way of, of, of being and, and and thinking. And it's it's it compounds the problem. People get more unhappy. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing we're seeing is this massive exodus of people from organizations that are out going out and doing their own thing, consulting and those sorts of things, because they just can't handle it anymore. It's like, you know, it's gotta be better than this. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, look, I, uh, I know already that we could probably talk for a couple of hours over this topic, and we probably <laughs> will, um, but we're fast running out of time. It, just as we start to, you know, sort of wrap up our, our conversation here, which, which I'm sure has probably set off a whole lot of different ideas for, for many of our listeners, you know, are there some sort of tips or strategies that our listeners could apply to themselves or their workplace to help deal with busy brain syndrome like is there one or two tips you could give us absolutely and as i said i keep coming back to awareness and um that's that's essentially what we have to do and you just you, you just have to look at what some of the large corporates are doing and you look at the the the, the global um craze with coloring books it's mm. you know it's it's 
it's quite bizarre when you think about it. And the fact that mindful, mindfulness and other things, meditation, yoga, um, organizations are, are, are doing those things. And, you know, some of them have been doing it for a while. But again, something like mindfulness, I was reading not so long ago that um, some literature in the US was saying, oh, look, it doesn't work because in the US, um, health and well-being programs are very, very important in organisations because of their insurance and they yep. have to provide it. So, you know, there was some literature saying mindfulness doesn't work. Um, and the thing is with mindfulness, unless you understand how to use it in the moment, it's not going to be effective. And that's what everyone needs to actually learn. How do I turn this stuff off in the moment? And if you... Basically, you've, you've got to actually learn some techniques and some strategies to be able to turn this stuff off in the moment because that's when you need to, 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 to get under control, if you like. So is this the sort of thing where one of the first things you could actually do, not only for yourself but for your team or in your organisation, is to provide yourself or give yourself and those in your organisation permission to focus on the now? Absolutely, absolutely. And um, like I said, until we actually get to that point because we're never going to become a conscious system and, and what you were describing before about the systems and structures around emails, that that's a fantastic idea. And unless people are, uh, are able to focus in the, in the now moment and be aware, they won't apply those rules. Mm. They won't apply the, the, those, those, that, those things that they agree so it's it's actually not easy, and the thing is, um, I think it's probably as you said before, we want everything to be fixed now. This instant gratification thing that we want. Um, it's this applying this this capability to be in the now moment is not easy. Mm. It's it's actually a difficult thing to learn, um, and but once you actually learn it through through various techniques, and it's it's not. Like I said, you you don't you can't learn this stuff by, um, by handing someone processes. yeah handing someone a piece of paper and saying no. here's the checklist yeah. because it's very much about shifting into it and understanding yeah. like any change when when we are educating organisations with regard to changes in new software or having conversations around uh, email management etc. It's all about well what's in it for the people how is this going to make their life easier because everybody's frightened or concerned or worried about anything new they don't want it to to add to their already high levels of stress so it, it's about creating a framework where people understand that this is this is a process not only to enable us to get a better grip on how we're traveling today but to start to create that conscious system where um, and I like to think of it in educational terms as a you know what is what is known as um, community of practice where you're starting to build these new practices and approaches that empower you as an organization as an individual as a team to be able to feel much more at peace when you're dealing with these things and when you're feeling at peace people feel more productive because they feel like they're in control when they're out of control um, that's when the stress levels rise and as you said everything is often held internally because we're wanting to look like the ducks on the surface but we're paddling like crazy underneath 
Yeah, absolutely. And I like the whole concept of community of practice. And um, yeah, many years ago when I did was working with reframing the future in education, the communities of practice were so amazing in terms of um, really improving um, the outcomes for learners and, and practitioners in those days. But you're right. And so what you're t essentially doing, Donna, with, with um, your strategies, you are creating a community of practice, a conscious community of practice in within your teams. What they need to do, if they wanted to have one thing, if I can give them one tip, it's they need to actually get a visual or some sort of sensory cue mm. that signifies, I need to be in the moment like that. I just clicked my fingers. So... With the train drivers, for example, and truck drivers, I give them a visual cue. So every time they see an image, which is usually something like, you know, a person falling asleep and with a, uh, the big circle and the line through it, you don't fall asleep. Every time they see that, because I say, put it in your truck, put it in your train. So every time they see that, they go, they're reminded, don't go to sleep, don't go to sleep, stay focused, stay focused. Hmm. So over time, that that visual becomes so powerful in their subconscious or unconscious brain that as soon as they start to drift off, they'll jolt themselves back out of it because they'll get that image snapping straight into their mind. Mm. So well, with your teams, you will do the same thing. So how do we actually stay focused and aware on the fact that we're going to be conscious and collaborate together? Wow. Because they'll slip into old habits. <laughs> Lucia, we've covered some great insights. And like I said, I could talk for a couple more hours. And I'm sure many of our listeners have, have heard some things today that they've probably never even considered in the past. And I've got no doubt some of them will be interested in touching base with you to see if they can either get more information on your research or perhaps find out a bit more about the services you can offer and how you can help. What, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Um just simply through my um, website, www.peopledata.com.au. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of material on my website, um, on our website, that's, that's, that's some really good information on there. So um, in terms of understanding, I think that the first thing is that to, to, for people to go, look, I'm not crazy. There's nothing wrong with me. It's my brain. And... It's such a liberating thought because people try to solve this thing day in, day out and if you're trying to solve something with the wrong method, you won't succeed and then you get disheartened, become apathetic and those behaviours I talked about get worse. But it's not you, it's your brain. I like that. Look, yeah. um, thank you so much uh, today for sharing your insights and, and expertise. Um, you know, I look forward to, to extending the conversation further. Uh, listeners, thank you for joining us today. Uh, for more information on Lucia's uh, offering, uh, go to the website peopledata.com.au. For more information on technology productivity strategy, strategy and training, visit the website donnahanson.com.au. Until next time, this is Donna Hanson helping you work smarter and not harder with technology. Bye for now.